Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. The final from T-Mobile Park in Seattle. It's the Mariners for the Guardians nothing. I'm Davey Barris, lifelong Cleveland baseball fan, and I want to talk about the actual game on the field, the thing I enjoy, watching baseball being played. And, well, all good things have to come to an end, and the streak, uh, the Guardian streak ends. They lose the series. Um, man, this was a rough one. I mean, this was... Right now, and everybody's talking about it, this was the potential matchup right now. If the playoffs were to start today, this is what the matchup would be, except in Cleveland, which we are about to see next weekend. They're coming to town. we got to face Baltimore first, and then Seattle's coming to town to face us in progressive fields. So that's how it would be if the playoffs started today. But we got to be honest with ourselves. This Seattle Mariners team is kind of built for playoff baseball. I mean, playoff baseball comes down to two things. It comes down to how many home runs can you hit and how good is your pitching. And their starting pitching was fantastic. I mean, Robbie Ray having another great year, uh, you know, kind of a late career resurgence. Yes, he was an all-star in 2017, but I don't think he was exactly what the Arizona Diamondbacks thought they had uh, from 2015 to 2020, right? I think they expected him to be an absolute ace, an absolute monster, and it just wasn't that for the most part out in Arizona. So eventually he goes to Toronto, and he figures things out in Toronto. Pitches very well. Best ERA of his career. Best whip of his career last year in Toronto. Seattle gets him this year, and he's delivering a very good season. A a little bit higher ERA, 3.58 than he had in Toronto, 2.84. But again, the second best whip of his career, 1.14. Still a dominant strikeout pitcher, has always done that in his career, and he does it against us right here. So he gets uh, seven strikeouts on seven innings pitched, three hits, no runs, no walks. He is hard hit one, two, three, four, five, six, seven times, but he's able to limit damage. And uh, really, really, the one Guardians rally against him in the sixth inning He's able to shut things down and get out of it. So we face some very good pitching in this series. I mean, you have to admit, the Mariners pitching has been better than advertised. I mean, they really had a good series against us. They either had a ridiculously good game plan against us, or they just are really in a sweet spot right now uh, when it comes to their pitching. And then their offense did enough. I mean, these guys seemed like they were home run hunting the whole game or the whole series. It It was all home run based. Their offense. Uh, meanwhile, the Guardians had two opportunities for rallies, but couldn't really get anything done on the day against either Robbie Ray or the bullpen. Uh, so let's get into it. I mean, this is going to be a fast episode because there is not much to this game. It was not a complicated game. Savali was pitching pretty good on the other side. It was quite the pitching duel until he finally gives up that three-run home run in the bottom of the fifth inning. For the first four innings, it was a battle between these two starting pitchers. I actually thought Savali might have a chance to go deeper in the game than Ray did, because uh, at one point, Ray was like 20 pitches ahead of him in the pitch count. And he just thought, just like yesterday, with uh, whoever was pitching for Seattle, I, it's been a long weekend, um, their pitch count got too high, right? And they couldn't continue as deep into the game as they wanted to go. Well, the same. I thought the same thing was going to happen to Robbie Ray here, but he is able to actually uh, get his pitch count under control and give them seven solid innings. 
It was Castillo yesterday. That's who it was. Um, so Ray does get the pitch count under control. Uh, again, when you're going after strikeouts, it's going to increase your pitch count. It's hard to go deep in the game and get double-digit strikeouts. You just have to use a lot of pitches to get those strikeouts. So, all right, let's get into the storyline of the game. What was working for Robbie Ray in this one? Well, especially against the right-handed pitch, right-handed batters, uh, the lefty was throwing a ton of high fastballs, high fastballs and low sliders. That was the combo. He sprinkled in a few sinkers, two seamers against our, our righties. But for the most part, it was high fastballs mixed with low sliders, and it was a very good combination. I mean, he struck out Ahmed Rosario four times. Well, he didn't strike him out four times, but he struck out four times on the day. Uh, Ray, I believe, got three of them. I would assume, yeah, he got three of them. Because uh, he does strike out one more time in the ninth inning. Uh, so, yeah. I mean, absolutely dominant combination. And then against the left-handed hitters, uh, he brings that fastball down. Against the left-handed hitters, nothing is up. Everything is down. It's sliders down at the knees. It's fastballs in the middle of the plate. And it's two seamers busting inside on the left-handed hitters. So the combination is very effective. Uh, his CSW numbers on the day from Robbie Ray, uh, a decent whiff rate, 14 whiffs on 53 swings. It's a 26% whiff rate. A bunch of called strikes on that four-seam fastball. It's good for a 40% CSW on that pitch, 30% overall. Uh, we did hit him somewhat hard. I mean, we had a 95.4 average mile-per-hour exit velocity off the nine four-seam fastballs we did put in play so we did hit him hard. Average exit velocity, 94.1 off of the five sliders we put in play. But the strikeouts were just too much to overcome. They did have some good defensive plays uh, in their outfield. I remember one with uh, with Julio Rodriguez breaking in on like a low liner that he got slid underneath and made a nice catch on. Uh, classic kind of center fielder catch. Uh, so he did get some good defense behind him. But the strikeouts, surprisingly, were coming on fastballs. And some of these fastballs are like middle of the plate. Uh, he locks up Owen Miller with a four-seam fastball in the uh, second inning. Now, everything he had thrown up to this point was high pitches, top of the zone, and then he comes back and throws one right at the thighs, and Owen Miller is completely frozen by it on a 2-2 count. Got Oscar Gonzalez right down the middle of the plate on a 3-2 count in the fifth inning. Right down the middle of the plate. They're staring at him. Uh, Ahmed Rosario. Oh, boy. Let's go through Ahmed Rosario's strikeouts. Uh, one in the first inning. He foul tips one up at the belly. Something he should hit. Then he chases one in the fourth inning. A slider down. Uh, this was a good sequence where he throws him a lot of sliders down. Comes up with one fastball and then back down with a slider. And then chases over his head in the sixth inning. Uh, he chased two pitches up here at his head. And finally strikes out on a foul tip up there. And then uh, he locks up Miles Straw with three high fastballs in the third inning. And gets him to chase an up-and-in fastball. Uh, three straight pitches. Boom. Strikes him out to end the third inning. So a lot of fastballs. A ton of fastballs here. One slider. So six strikeouts via fastball. One via slider. Uh, Ahmed Rosario's other strikeout would be another slider. Down at the knees. That was off of Paul Sewell to lead off the ninth inning. So, yeah. 
Robbie Ray with the fastball, getting straight strikeouts with a fastball. Meanwhile, on the other side, it's Savali getting it done with curveballs. Uh, a lot of curveball strikeouts here. Gets Eugenio Suarez with one up, uh, and then a bunch down. Gets Julio Rodriguez in that first inning with a curveball down at the thighs. Gets Mitch Hanniger in that first inning with a curveball down at the knees. Uh, got Ty France with one, and then a one-cutter thrown in there to Jesse Winker in the fourth inning on a 3-2 count. Gets him to swing through that. So mostly curveballs doing it for Aaron Savali. However, the curveball is also the pitch that would be a three-run home run. So Savali on the other side, the cutter wasn't too effective. He threw it 38 times, though. They put it in play 10 times, but they only had an average exit velocity of 81.1. So I'll give him credit. It was at least getting weak contact. Uh, The curveball had a good whiff rate. It had a 50% whiff rate on 12 swings. So a decent whiff rate there. Uh, But it's only a 22% CSW total on the day for Aaron Savali. They were being aggressive against him. Uh, I mean, they swung 41 times. They were being aggressive against him. And uh, eventually, man, he just makes one mistake. So to kind of wrap up the pitching side of things, yes, Robbie Ray, I mean, clearly, clearly outmatched this Guardians offense. So this one opportunity the Guardians do have in the sixth inning, uh, it starts with an Andres Jimenez uh, double to kick things off. A really nice line shot, 101.2 miles per hour, uh, one hops over the wall in right field, a really nice double to kick things off. Austin Hedges follows it up with a bloop single down the right field line. Okay, uh, Jimenez is on, runners on the corner. All right, we're set up really nicely here. Really nicely. This is just after we give up the three-run home run, so maybe we can answer back. We can at least get Andres Jimenez in and get on the board, right? Now, Miles Straw comes up, hits a lazy fly ball into center field. Uh, it's easily run down, actually, by the right fielder who throws a missile to home plate. They, I, they didn't even show, they didn't even get on camera how that throw came in, so I, I don't even know if it was an accurate throw or not, but Andres Jimenez has to hold at third base, and I'm, I'm sure he's regretting it now because the way this inning, inning ends up, yeah, you got the top of the order coming up. You figure Quan could get something done. You're still on third base with one out. So I understand a little bit why they held him, especially when you saw the arm that uh, – who was out there in right field? Was that Hanniger out there in right field for the Mariners? Um, yes, Hanniger. I mean, he threw a missile home. Uh, so you get it a little bit, but I'm sure he's kicking himself going, that was my opportunity to score – if I was going to have a chance this inning, it was on that play, and he holds at third base. Uh, Quan would then pop out. Quan did not have a good game. Uh, he would pop out with that runner at third base, so that hurts. And then Ahmed Rosario, of course, another strikeout. I think that was the one that was up at his head. So they had their opportunity here in the sixth inning. Absolutely had it. Can't get it done. Meanwhile, in the uh, bottom of the fifth inning, that's when the Mariners do most of their damage. Uh, Ty France with a leadoff single. All the damage came from the bottom of the order for the Mariners. I mean, the top of the order, one through four, Rodriguez, Winker, Hanniger, Suarez, they go over on the day. I mean, nothing from the top of the order. Savali handled them. It was the middle to the bottom of the order that he struggled with. Ty France with two hits. Uh, Frazier with a hit. Uh, Dylan Moore, obviously, you'll see here in this inning. Uh, so, uh, Ty France with a single, Santana with a force out, Cal Raleigh with a ground out, 
All right, you got two outs. He walks Adam Frazier. Let's go to that at bat. Uh, he walks Adam Frazier, which sets up the end of this inning. So uh, Aaron Savali, let's find against Adam Frazier. Just misses. Man, he cannot find the strike zone at all. He fouls off a curveball down below the knees and then throws him a cutter up and in, throws him a curveball way away in the other batter's box, throws him another cutter up at his head, and then throws him a curveball way off the plate again. So really cannot find the zone at all against Adam Frazier in this at-bat. Really uh, an easy walk for Adam Frazier, and that brings up Dylan Moore. And it's a much more aggressive at-bat against the righty Dylan Moore. Throws him a curveball on the plate that he swings through, throws him uh, a sinker up and in that he fouls off, then comes back with a curveball in the dirt, doesn't chase, comes back with a curveball at the knees, below the knees, doesn't chase. Uh, So now he's worked it to a 2-2 count, throws him a cutter on the outside edge of the plate, and he fouls it off. This is a pop-up down the the, uh, first baseline, and it brings Owen Miller into foul territory. He leaps for it, gets caught up in the net, The ball rolls out of his glove, rolls down the net. He catches it in his chest with his bare hand, but they call it as a net-assisted play, which you cannot catch the ball off a net. It doesn't count. So, unfortunately, Owen Miller makes an attempt. If that net isn't there, does he catch the ball? Actually, probably. Probably. Without that net there, he probably catches that ball. But with that net there, uh, you know, he gets a little tangled in it. And can't actually secure the ball. So that would bring Dylan Moore back to the plate. Dylan Moore, the number nine hitter, by the way. Dylan Moore, who uh, you know has five home runs going into this at-bat on the season. He's a 388 slugger. I mean, this is not a guy known for blasting the ball uh, in his age 30 season. Uh, he gets one. He gets a hanging curveball right down the middle of the plate at the thighs, and he does not let the opportunity to come back into the batter's box go to waste. He hits this thing 98.9 miles per hour, 39-degree launch angle, 355, and only an expecting average of 150, but it makes it out to left field. It brings in three-run home run, and, I mean, it was the game right there. That was the absolute game. If Owen Miller makes that catch, who knows what happens. Uh, instead, Savali's got to throw one more pitch to Dylan Moore and, uh, yeah, make some pay. I mean, and anybody, I mean, curveball kind of middle of the plate. Uh, yeah, he, he can hit a home run there. He can run into one there. So, uh, yeah, it's got to get that one down. I mean, he's still in a 2-2 count. He has got to get that one down at the knees. He can't leave it up there like that so he can get under it. So, Savali, I'm sure, is kicking himself about this curveball. Uh, he would give up one more to uh, another home run to tie France to lead off. Uh, is that the seventh inning? Let me double check. Yes, the seventh inning. Uh, going to that matchup, that was just France. I mean, just turned on an inside pitch. Starts him off with a two-seamer away, and then he misses with a ball, and then comes back. This is right on the inside edge, and he just turned on this thing. 104.4 mile-per-hour exit velocity. Uh, 398 down the line in left field, his 15th home run on the season. Uh, that's just a good job at turning on an inside pitch. And I went to look at his zones, and yeah, he can slug from the inside there. Uh, middle in, he's slugging 744. Uh, he's got five home runs from middle in. I would say this is right between middle in and and uh, 
the lower in corner of the plate, a lower, lower in quadrant of the plate. It is just off the plate, but it's very close to where he's hit already five home runs on the season. So, uh, yeah, he does have some power from those inside pitches. Uh, and he turned on one here and made Savali pay with an insurance run that they frankly didn't even need. So that was it for this game. I mean, they had one more chance in the eighth inning. You know, it wasn't it for this game. They had one more chance in the eighth inning, and Will Benson gets the pinch hit with two outs. Owen Miller with a leadoff single. They can't move him off first. Straw's spot in the lineup comes up, and he lets Will Benson pinch hit. And here's my problem with this. If you want to get Benson some experience, pinch hitting for Straw in the eighth inning of a game Facing the Mariners' best bullpen, guys. Is that really the spot to give Benson experience? You're bringing him into a tense situation. You're bringing him in to face a reliever with a lead whose job it is is to hold that lead, and they are clearly some of the best in baseball at doing that. Like, a reliever's role is to face a guy once and be dominant. Instead of letting Benson start some games get the experience of facing a starter two, three times, right? Maybe having a chance to get a hit that way. Instead, he's got to go in and face this great reliever in the eighth inning with all, you know, this high-pressure situation. Is that really the way to get Benson experience and get him at bats? I don't think so. So I got to see Benson starting a little more this week. I mean, it is just terrible what uh, what Straw's doing right now. He's now hitting 199. It's beyond bad. And Benson has proven he could play defensively in the outfield. 199, what he's hitting for August is just atrocious. Uh, if we look at his splits by month, uh, for the month of August, he's hitting 0.095. He's hitting under 100 for the month of August. He's got a 225 OPS for the month of August. I mean, it is, it's beyond bad now for Miles Straw. It's beyond. We're, we're past it. At this point, give Benson some starts this week. I beg of you, Terry Francona. Uh, send send Straw down if you have to figure it out down at AAA. Like, you can't keep letting him figure it out in-game. We're in a playoff race here. You said it yourself. Um, so, yes. Yeah, so, I thought it was a weird choice. To, it's, it's weird to let Benson try to get experience from putting him in high-pressure situations against very good relievers. Right, when you're down in the game. Because if they're up in the game, he's leaving Straw in for defense. He's not pinch hitting for him. But because they're down, trying to get back into the game, he's pinch hitting Benson at that point. So Benson actually delivers a single. He actually fights one off the opposite way. They were shifted over on him. He fights one off. I mean, this thing had an expected bang average of 110, but it's no man's land with the shift before Quan strikes out to end the threat in the eighth inning. So that was pretty much the whole game. All right, that's all my thoughts on this one. Uh, like I said, we got our butts kicked by the Mariners here. We'll see if we can turn things around when they come to Cleveland. Remember, we did this to Detroit earlier in the season where Detroit swept us in Detroit. They come to Cleveland. Suddenly, we flip the script. We sweep them. So let's see if we can give the Mariners a little bit of what they gave us when they come to town. Let's see if we can pack the house with Guardians fans, create some playoff atmosphere, and take it to the Mariners. So that's all my thoughts on this one. Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland baseball morning. The final, unfortunately, we lose the series. It's the Mariners 4, the Guardians nothing. No MVP on the day, by the way. I mean, look at this box score and tell me there was an MVP. There wasn't. Maybe Savali would have had it, 
but he gives up the two big home runs. I just can't give it to the guy taking the loss, giving up four runs over six and a third innings pitched. I, even though the curveball was pretty good on the day, uh, it, for one pitch it wasn't. So no MVPs on the day. Sorry. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Davey Barris. You can email the show at clevelandbaseballmornings at gmail.com. Let me know your thoughts on the game. What a potential matchup with the Mariners would feel like in the playoffs. Are you looking forward to that? Are you worried about that? We'll discuss it on the show. Also, I'm hosting this podcast on Anchor. So if you go to anchor.fm forward slash Cleveland Baseball Mornings, you can leave a voicemail for the show. We'll play them back on the air, respond to your thoughts, and we'll have a fun conversation amongst the fans about baseball. So thanks again for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. Baseball Morning.